0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Tar Heel Prescription, a student-run podcast here at the UNC School of Medicine. My name is Abdul.
1: My name is Anu, and today we are going to kick off the first episode of the specialty series with psychiatry. We are so excited to take a deeper dive into this wonderful career and even more excited that we get to talk about this with our very own Dr. Peniskovic. Dr. P, thank you so much for being here. If you would, please tell us a little more about who you are and what you do here at UNC.
2: Sure. So I'm Kenan Peniskovic and I'm a psychiatrist. I am uh, the advise, one of the advisors for Simpkins College. I formerly ran the Health and Human Behavior course. Uh, currently, uh, my duties primarily are administrative and then um, helping with the students with advising.
0: As you all just heard, it is a Simpkins party here with me, Anu, and Dr. P, and we love to see it. As medical students and peer support advocates for Simpkins, we have a lot of love and appreciation for everything Dr. P does to support us. So thank you once again. Right now, we and our fellow MS2s are half through the HBHD block, so it's the perfect time to unpack psychiatry as a specialty. Before we get there though, a little tangent on the note of HBHD. Anu?
1: Personally, I was pretty bummed to see that HBHD was limited to just two weeks, partly because I'm potentially interested in psychiatry as a specialty, but mostly because I think mental health and illness is just as important as physical health and illness and should be talked about more. What are your thoughts on this, Dr. P.?
2: You know, psychiatry does what they are assigned and we were assigned two weeks. Uh, We would be thrilled to expand and I am very hopeful and optimistic in the future curriculum that we will have a larger footprint. I think that psychiatry, as you said, is incredibly helpful and we've seen an epidemic in terms of the mental health toll that the pandemic has played. And so we are hopeful that we will have expanded time and I understand your disappointment that it's only two weeks.
0: In your experience, how has the education around psychiatry evolved from when you were in medical school
2: to now? So I did my medical studio training at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, UAB. One of the things that was interesting was so few people went into psychiatry. So, um, you know, out of my medical school class, I think there were maybe three or four out of, you know, just under 200 that went into psychiatry. I think it was much more stigmatized. I think there is still a stigma for patients as well as some psychiatrists in terms of entering training in psychiatry. But I am so, thrilled to see that, you know, this generation of students seems to be embracing that. And the numbers entering psychiatry for U.S. graduates tends to be more and more. And so it's becoming a much more competitive specialty. And I think we need all those people to help with, you know, what we're facing in the future. So, you know, in terms of what's changed, you know, we still balance a lot of therapy, medications, and there's such variety in the field. But what's changed is a willingness to talk about it, an openness. And what we're seeing is more and more people interested in going into psychiatry.
1: That is really great and, you know, optimistic to hear. Um, And you've already touched a little bit on your, your journey so far, but I was wondering if you could tell us more about just how you got here into psychiatry and specifically in the roles and positions that you have occupied within psychiatry.
2: Sure. So, you know, um, I didn't know what a psychiatrist did and didn't know the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist when I started medical school. Um, so I had no intention in going into it. Um, I did find our course fairly interesting at UAB. Um, and then, you know, from there, really it was my third year where I loved um, interacting with patients and actually seeing and talking with patients that really made the difference for me. So I became interested in the field through just clinical experience. Um, I think it's very unusual for for people to shadow a psychiatrist before they come to medical school. I think what you see is, you know, it's easy to understand what an internist uh, family practice, a pediatrician, you get exposure to those, you know, big fields very early on. And it, you know, psychiatry is such a personal field for individuals that, you know, number one, patients are not really thrilled to have a lot of shadows or people sitting in on their therapy sessions. And number two, you just as a kid growing up in the South, do not get to see a lot of psychiatrists in action. So um, I think we're incredibly fortunate to be at a um, Chapel Hill where we have a huge residency, roughly 18 residents a year, and they come from all across the country. And so we have a thriving program, and that is then what drives the fact that we have so many medical students enter psychiatry so we're thrilled to usually beat the national average in terms of people.
0: Those are some really good points. And speaking of exposure, could you walk us through what a day in a life looks like for a psychiatrist?
2: Every day can be different. So there are psychiatrists that are primarily focused on therapy. They never enter the hospital. They see individuals for long, you know, appointments, forty five, fifty you know, minute appointments, and they see at this you know, cohort of individuals and work with them largely in non-pharmacological ways. You could completely contrast that. What I, you know, have done a lot was inpatient and I was always in the hospital treating people for medical illnesses. So I'd often be, you know, prescribing their blood pressure medications or their diabetes regimen, as well as treating them with pharmacological interventions. And what I worked primarily on was an involuntary commitment unit. People brought in for dangerousness to self or others. And so I was always in the hospital and more pharmacologically based and then you can see everything in between and so you know it's just a huge variety of what you might do on a daily basis we have some that are heavily involved in education and you know research and then we have others that are very clinical in terms of what they do so it you know it's one of the real benefits of psychiatry is you can carve what you want um, you can do what you want and you can decide how you want to spend your time and you know for me that you know one of the most rewarding things has been seeing you know medical students in my role as an advisor
1: another more logistical question before we dive into the deeper topics could you break down the logistics of what a medical student interested in pursuing psychiatry should do now to best prepare for applying to residency and also what does the training for psychiatry look like in terms of residency itself and options for fellowships
2: so you know, I think that, you know, medical students in general should approach their medical school training as a full-time job. And so focusing on, you know, doing well in school and learning as much as you can. If you're particularly interested in psychiatry, there's no mandatory, you have to have done research in psychiatry. What they're really looking for is, are you passionate about psychiatry? And that can be carved out in a lot of different ways. So that could be going to the interest group, participating in SHAC um, to see, you know, individuals. Um, with behavioral health problems um, that could be, you know, serving in your local community, volunteering your time. They want to see what makes you interested in psychiatry and passionate about it. So a student will do well in school, you know, and learn as much as they can because psychiatrists are physicians. And so at the end of the day, when somebody's blood pressure is going out of control or they're having kidney problems, you still need to be able to deal with those issues or at least much like a primary care, identify what it is and point them in the right direction or call the right consult and recognize when things are out of bounds. And so, you know, I think doing well and learning as much about medical school and then being somewhat, you know, interested in an interest group or, you know, volunteering time, some form of fashion. We have a very good, um, you know, psychiatry interest group. And so you could be involved in that.
0: We often hear that psychiatry is a specialty known for a better work-life balance. Has this been your experience in residency and post-residency?
2: And what are the work hours like? In general, psychiatry is much more friendly in terms of work-life balance. It's one of the reasons that I was particularly interested in it. Um, As you know, you know, because you guys know me well, I have six kids. And so, you know, I love spending time with them. And so that was one of the reasons that I chose psychiatry. You work a more regular work-life balance. Balance. And you know, then you can decide how you carve that up in terms of if you want to spend more time and make more money, you can do that and work on the weekends more. If if you want to spend less time, you know, or you want to work part time, um, there's real opportunities. So you know, a lot of our graduates are starting families, and so they may work part time when they finish their residency training for a couple years, and you know, with you know, ever since COVID, there's telepsych options. So we have people that work, you know, entirely with telepsychiatry. So they work from their home, um, serving communities or rural areas or even hospitals. And so, you know, there's just such variety of what you can do. Um, so I do endorse that it is have a, a has a better work-life balance, which in general, working less hours leads to less burnout and allows for um, a, a better kind of uh, sense of participating with your family.
1: That is really nice to, to here hear. Um, and I'm kind of circling back to something we were just talking about, but does fellowship or particularly like what kind of psychiatry that you go into, can that change in terms of like work-life balance? Is or flexibility across all of the different things you can do within psychiatry?
2: I think there's a lot of flexibility in terms of everything that you can do. I think, you know, the most popular probably field is child and adolescent. You can actually do that as a combined. And so, you know, psychiatry residency is four years. You can, you know, do three years of general training and then do two years like we have here. So you do an extra year, but you know, those last, Two years, your fourth and fifth year are spent in child and adolescent. Um, one of the you know other you know emerging fields is consult liaison psychiatry because we know, as you talked about, mental health and physical health they're so closely related. So there's a lot of efforts now for collaborative care where primary care doctors may work with the psychiatrist, you know, or the primary care doctors may have you know social workers with different people, and they all um, report back to a psychiatrist who kind of manages things and helps manage a larger population. We'll never get enough psychiatrists to. See see everybody. Um, So we have adopted a lot more of a supervisory role of different people, and and that's, you know, referring and helping a primary care doctor maybe manage their patients or bring their difficult case, and they can talk about it and kind of go through the options. Other than, you know, consult liaison, you know, as well as um, child and adolescent, you'll see geriatrics is an emerging field, and you know the population is aging, and so there's people going into geriatrics, there's forensic psychiatry for those that are interested in that, Um, you know, the other opportunity, addiction psychiatry and addiction Medicine, we, we we have people that are often interested in that, and so there's other fields you can go into, sleep medicine from psychiatry, you can do you know whatever you kind of you know feel. I think most of those fields allow for that same flexibility, and it's just a matter of like how much do I want to make and how much do I want to work. But a lot of psychiatrists are not driven by the bottom dollar, or else they probably wouldn't have just entered psychiatry; they would have you know gone into business in a different degree.
1: That is really insightful, um, and nice to know there's so much you can do within psychiatry. Um, Um, So personally, psychiatry is one of the specialties that I'm strongly considering right now. And when I imagine myself as a potential psychiatrist, though, there are a couple of things that make me a little nervous. So this is a little twofold. Um, But first, like given that psychiatry dabbles in like the mind, emotions and complex experiences, I worry that I might struggle with bringing work home with me. And secondly, before coming to med school, I naively equated psychiatrists with therapists. And now that I know that therapy is only a small part of what psychiatrists can do, I wonder what the majority of your work as a psychiatrist looks like and what your experience with like the diverse patient population that you see has been.
2: Let me start with the first part of it of bringing your work home and emotionally being impacted. What I would say is I've yet to meet a physician that doesn't bring their work home. So whether it's, you know, the pediatrician that misses a cancer diagnosis, I've seen that. Whether it's um, a surgeon who second guesses, you know, a choice that they made in the OR or whether it's, you know, the psychiatrist that's dealing with somebody that may have ended their life. All of those individuals will bring that home. What I think is different about psychiatry and so nice about psychiatry is we explicitly talk about it. So we have, you know, a a form where we will get together and talk about that patient interaction and how we're feeling. It's part of our kind of work is, is to actually get together and talk about the emotions that we feel because, you know, there are patients where, you know, as hard as you try, you may feel some tension or, you know, dislike that patient at some level or they do something or their family member. And then there's patients that you really like. And so kind of recognizing yourself as an instrument is one of the things we focus on in psychiatry of like, you know, I'm in this room and I feel incredibly sad. Like, so I can feel the depression. Other times the person may be emotionally labile and I don't feel that. And so why is that? What's going on that makes me not feel like connected to this? And we have a frank discussion around that. So I appreciate part one of your question was, do you bring your work home? I absolutely bring my work home. But I also know how to kind of set boundaries for myself. And I actually think that we do a better job than most specialties in terms of dealing with it. Remind me your second part of your question.
1: Absolutely. Um, Thank you for addressing the first part. Second, second part was kind of dealing um, with wondering what your experience has been like with the spectrum of patients that you can see the patient population of psychiatry. Um, I know therapy is only a small part of what you can do with psychiatry. So just wondering what your work kind of within psychiatry looks like outside of therapy and with this patient population.
2: So, you know, if you know me well, I work primarily on three neuroscience, um, or that's where I have spent the lion's share of my work, which is dealing with psychotic disorders. And that's dealing with the population of um, seriously and persistently mentally ill. So uh, these are often are, you know, overlooked and underserved individuals. And so that has a special meaning for me because, you know, I wanted to do something where I felt I was giving back and I felt most rewarded. And that's the population where I really uh, felt a calling. In terms of that's the population that I've done. However, I also have individuals that I've been seeing for, you know, 10 years that are fellow physicians, doctors, lawyers that come and see me that, you know, are dealing with their own issues. And so like it impacts everybody across the spectrum. I've chosen, you know, in my past, primarily to spend it on individuals that um, have seriously and persistently mentally ill. But I also recognize that it impacts everyone. And that's one of the things about this course, the health and human behavior course, that's so difficult is it is so personal. If you look at the age range of when mental illness impacts people, it's primarily adolescents and 20s and 30s, right? And so like, you're much more likely to have this than you talk about the form of cancer that you know lung cancer or something that develops in a 56 year old. So you're sitting in the classroom and you're talking about anxiety or you're talking about depression and you know that either your mother, your father, your sister, you're the person sitting next to you is struggling with some of these issues. And so, you know, it becomes much more personal and, and, and harder for some individuals. And so I encourage you to, you know, talk about that with your classmates, but also to, with your advisor or any support system that you have.
0: Thank you for that. And you kind of touched on this earlier and mental health is something that becoming ever more personal? Especially after the COVID-19 pandemic, we've started seeing that there is a growing need for psychiatrists. And like you said, we won't have enough for everyone. I imagine there are always ebbs and flows with student interest and going into psychiatry. And you touched on misconceptions or stereotypes uh, earlier. Could you elaborate on some of these misconceptions that need to be addressed?
2: You know, I, I think, you know, the biggest misconception is that, you know, mental illness is somehow different than any other, you know, illness, any medical illness you know, then that like um, patients may be reluctant to engage in treatment you know, I often equate this to, you know, you did not choose this, you know, it's a combination of the genetics and the environmental factors, just like we would talk about cancer or diabetes. And, you know, for some individuals, they don't have enough insulin. And so we have to supplement them with insulin in the same sense of you're challenged with depression. And so there may be you have to engage in either medications or therapy on a chronic basis. And so we know you don't choose or want that. Um, But that's probably the biggest misconception is somehow, that that's different than medical illness and, and it is not it's the same thing it's the same impact and the same risk factors and our treatment outcomes are just as good or better in a lot of cases and so you know you're struggling with that anxiety and in you know you're reluctant to engage in treatment or to seek seek help for it but you, you would we tell that you know person struggling with high blood pressure you know just you know pray it off or just get through it keep pushing we wouldn't say that to those individuals or your cancer or whatever it might be we would encourage them to get treatment and so in the same sense, I would encourage people, if they're struggling with things, to identify it and seek out help. And so Counseling and Wellness is here, um, our CAPS program. So we have a lot of resources if you're struggling.
1: Thank you for mentioning that. You've mentioned this kind of throughout our discussion so far, but just to kind of highlight it out there one more time, what keeps you anchored in psychiatry in all the years that you've been doing this?
2: I think the thing that keeps me anchored is seeing individuals and helping individuals. There's no greater thrill than to see somebody that's struggling and to be... There for them and then to see them Get well and keep well and resume Their life so you know um, A lot of what you learn of psychiatry Is uh, unfortunately through The media and movies and that may Not be the ba- most accurate representation So you know If you know there's a clip in Good Will Hunting Where you know uh, Damon is Kind of losing it and then he you know Is embraced and he has this breakthrough moment That That's the rare exception I don't Get that on a daily basis what I Do get is I get to help people people, you know, day by day kind of put things back together and and the reward of seeing that over time. In the same sense of electroconvulsive therapy is something that is very stigmatized throughout the media and that, you know, it is one of the most effective treatments that we have. And so people are like repulsed by the idea, but yet some people it's life changing and life saving. I had somebody that hadn't worked in over 10 years get ECT and resume working within six months of getting her treatment. And has lived a completely normal life, to my knowledge, from that period of time. And so, you know, there's all this kind of stigma and, and not talking about it, avoiding it, but yet there's all these treatments and all these ways that we can really embrace it and go for it.
0: So, more on a fun note, what are some things that you recommend everyone should do to nurture their mental health and well being?
2: You know, I think um, people are creatures of habit, and so you need to establish a routine. I talk about this with all my students that this is a marathon journey. Earlier this week, I was with somebody that was one of my first advisees, and you know, they were coming back and talking about like it still keeps going on. There's more and more, and so like I think you have to realize that there's never a really end to this kind of endless journey of education, and so there's going to be times that that's very stressful. Establish the things that keep you grounded, whether that's meditation, whether that's your family whether that's exercise whether that's art whether that's literature prioritize those things because it's such a long journey and make sure that you get that in regularly and even through residency and through your you know your fellowship whatever it might be you need outlets beyond medical school. And so the best thing that happened for me for medical school was to approach it like a job, getting there and punching the clock at 730 in the morning and leaving at 630 at night, you know, and doing it, you know, six days a week, it might be even if I had the test on a Thursday or Friday, getting up and going the next day. So that's how I approached it. It's different for everybody, but I would say you need to prioritize things outside of medicine because life is short and you want to be able to enjoy the moment. You shouldn't be regretting and wondering, should I have gone on this trip because I could have took a study, you know, I could have studied extra, been at the library. If you do that, you'll live with a lot of regrets. If you go on the trip, fully embrace the trip and come back afterwards and enjoy and spend your time and put in the work.
1: Thank you, truly. Last sort of question that we have for you. As a former block director of HBHD, any words of wisdom or pearls for success that you can share?
2: Sure. So I think you should realize, number one, the course is built around preparing you for Step. So all lecturers were distributed first aid and told that their material should at least encompass what's on there. You should be able to, you know, look at first aid and see that like this material has been covered in my course. All right. So we heavy emphasis and we've always done well on step one with our psychiatry course. Number two, there's a lot of drugs, a lot of pharmacology get on it early so that you're prepared. And it's a lot of like both illicit drugs as well as pharmacology for, you know, treatments. And so knowing like, you know, what are the common side effects? How do these drugs work? You know, working through those things and kind of, because there is a little bit of memorization involved in, in in drugs. And so, you know, getting on that early, I think is very helpful. I think your course directors, Dr. Kennedy, Dr. Perut, would do a wonderful job guiding you. Try to keep up. You know, the quizzes are there. People dislike the quizzes because it holds them accountable. At the same time, it's wonderful that not everything's on one final. And so, you know, it's really helpful if you can spend time early on getting into the pharmacology and start like flipping cards and making sure that you're familiar with those things, as well as mechanism of actions. I think that that that, that would be what I would suggest. And then follow your course directors.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for that. As you may know, we're already halfway through our HBHD block and it is going by very quickly. As we're wrapping up, do you have any other thoughts or insights outside of the questions that we've asked today that you'd like to share, whether it's about life, psychiatry, medical student life, anything at all?
2: I think I said it earlier, but life is short and so live in the moment. And so, you know, if you have the opportunity to do something, you know, you know, do it and em- embrace it and be in there. I think establish good habits. I think, you know, those build your resiliency. So, you know, I know it's easy to neglect exercise or neglect your sleep and, and the things won't carry you very far because sprinting isn't a recipe for success for a marathon. So learning how to kind of deal with stress day to day is incredibly important. Bringing in a support network and don't be afraid to ask for help. We all will have some period of time, whether it's mentally, whether it's physically, whether it's extracurricularly, where we will need some assistance. And there's advisors, there's peer advocates, there's administrators, there's your family. They want to help you. There's no greater joy than to help somebody through a difficult time. It's why I like doing what I do, and I hope it's why you like helping patients.
1: I think that is a beautiful note to wrap up on Dr. P. This has been an absolutely enlightening talk. Thank you for sharing some of your time and wisdom with us to our listeners. That was Dr. Keenan Penaskovic and a little snapshot into psychiatry. My name is Anu.
0: And my name is Abdul. Thank you for tuning in today, and we'll see you next time on Tar Heel Prescription.